Uh, so yeah, what a great, great week, great time, and uh, I'm glad that you're here with us today. As we continue on our series that Pastor Eric started off so well last week, Beyond the Bio, getting to know people is difficult, and sometimes getting to know God beyond what we read, getting to know him personally is our goal, and our goal through this series to help maybe think about ways and how we can draw closer to our Lord. Because admit it, relationships can be difficult, right? Yeah, relationships can be difficult. You know, just when you think you know somebody, you find out you really didn't know them. It goes good and bad, right? I remember when I came here, there was a couple people I thought, man, are they jerks. (laughs) Now you're wondering who I'm thinking about, aren't you? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Those people weren't here. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, every now and then you you meet somebody and you think, what a jerk they are. Or or just what, how shallow they are. Or, you know, and then all of a sudden you get to know them. And you get to know them in a deeper way and you find out, what was I wrong? Oh, was I mistaken? And, and you find out that there's so much depth, so much interesting that's gone on in their lives, so much that has made them who they are. And it's neat to fall into that. I, I, I was wrong about that person. Now it goes the other way too. We get first impressions and we think, whoa, what a great person. And we find out that we've been tricked, we've been misled, and, and that can happen too. So, you know, get, taking that time to, to, to really dive into relationship, taking that time to really get to know, and takes time. It takes commitment. It takes transparency. It takes vulnerability. And that's what it is when we walk and step into relationship with the Lord. A.W. Tozier, in the first line of his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, he said this, what we think about God, make sure I get it right, what comes to our mind when we think of God is the most important thing about us. What comes to our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to your mind when you think about God? We need to know him. We need to know him beyond a surface level. We need to dig deep and get to know the Lord. Get to know him personally. But rather than taking the time, the effort, the commitment to dive deep with the Lord, so many times we, we want to settle we settle. And many times what we settle for is religious activity. Rather than getting to know the Lord, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm, and I'm going to do all these things. There was a uh, commentator, well-known commentator back in the last century, wrote a lot of commentaries in different books. He was a pastor, a teacher. His name was Dr. J. Vernon McGee. And he had this to say about that. He said, my point is that today there's a great deal of churchianity that is bland and bloodless tasteless and colorless. It is devoid of warmth and feeling. There is no personal relationship with Christ that is meaningful and productive. Now, understand, J. Vernon McGee passed away over 30 years ago. This was before life as most of us know it. 
This is when, you, instead of finding out what was going on in the community, instead of looking on your phone and finding out, you had to go to the barbershop. <laughs> you had to go to the beauty salon. This is, this is when we only had three channels on our TVs. And yet even then, he says, the, the, what, we, what we settle for, and the, I love that word, churchianity, in our religious activity, is bland, it's, it's tasteless. It lacks meaning. It lacks productive, it's not productive. There's no personal relationship with Christ. He goes on and says this, your ritual and your liturgy are not worth the snap of your fingers unless you have a life that is related to Jesus Christ. And we talk a lot about this. We talk about this having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the question comes, if this was last, the last series we had, the, 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 the critical questions, the question is sometimes, okay, how can I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? How can I? And some people even are saying, well, you know, the, the critics, the scoffers say, there's nothing in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say we should have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're right. There's nowhere in the Bible it specifically says those words. Nowhere you can go look up and say, we, are, we should have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you read all through the Bible, starting with Adam and his relationship with God, you see that God desires a relationship with us and Christ desires a relationship with us. God is our father. We are his children. He calls us to come and rest in him. Come bring your burdens to me. Pastor Eric ended last week's sermon with Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. I will, I will dine with him. I will have that personal relationship with him. And it's all through the Bible. God created us to be in relationship with him. Jesus redeemed us so that we could have a relationship that is restored with him. And it can be real and it can be productive. So that brings us to our scripture today. Our scripture is found in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles... Would you turn there? John chapter 1. It's interesting this John chapter 1 is, starts off, well, it starts off with some marvelous imagery and, and talking about, about Christ coming into the world. But then we see this other individual character show up. His name's John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is out there and he's been preaching. He's been calling the, the Jews to repentance. And many people are questioning who John is. In fact, they're asking, are you the one? Are you the one that's been promised? And John says in John chapter 1 here, no, I'm not the Christ. He says, I'm, I'm not him. He says, but I found him. In fact, he says in John chapter 1 that I wasn't even sure myself who was until one day when we were doing this baptism and I saw the Spirit of God descend on Christ, Jesus Christ, like a dove. And it rested on him, which was the sign that he was the one. And he called him the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then we pick up the story here in verse 35 of the book of John, chapter 1. It says this, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, 
Where are you staying? Come, he said, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So John was walking around, and he had two of his disciples who then turned and started to follow Jesus. And Jesus noticed. He noticed he had two new guys that joined the team. And so he, he comes to them, and, and he talks to them, and he engages with them with that question, what do you want? What do you want? Jesus is testing them. He's testing them. He says, he said, what is it you really want from me? Last week, Pastor Eric talked about transactional faith. And we all have to answer that question, what do we want? What do we want? Do we want, do we want the, the good things that Jesus has to offer? And so, and so we have this, okay, I'll follow you if you. I, Lord, I want healing, I follow you. I want riches, I, so I'll follow you. And, and we have this transactional, Lord, give me and I will follow. And Jesus is testing them with this same question. What do you want? Are you after something other than what I want from you? And, and so they respond to him, but they don't respond with an answer. They respond to him with a question. And they say this, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Translated, you know what that means? We got to talk. <laughs> where are you staying? What they're really saying is, we need to talk. We need some time with you. This isn't something we can just, on a surface level, get at. Where are you staying? What's, let's talk. Let's talk. Verse 39 then we see the invitation of Jesus. Come, and you will see. He's inviting them to start a relationship. He's inviting them to come and learn, to come and spend time. I think Jesus is saying, good answer, good answer. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper into this relationship. Next verse goes on and says this, they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. They spent the day, a whole day. Didn't see, I, could, I could just see him in there just excited getting in, in there. Maybe they, maybe they went ahead to where he was staying and, and you know, Jesus is busy so he's talking to people and he says, go ahead and go in the room and they go in and they sit and they're waiting. They say, oh, I can't wait to talk with this one. This lamb of God. I can't wait to have that opportunity that Jesus made. Come and see. Come and see. The same invitation he makes to us. After we answer that question, what do we want? It's, if the question is really, what do we want? We say, Lord, we want you. He always answers, come and see. Come to me. Come have that relationship. What do you want? I want a relationship with you. But I'm, you know, it, I think it's harder for some of us because they at least had flesh and bone and blood and uh, you know, hair. And I mean, when we talk about relationship with Jesus, we're talking with someone who's not sitting in the pew next to us, right? We're not, we're not talking about someone who's going to walk into our house and have a conversation with us as a, as a human being. And so sometimes it's, it's tougher. And then we say, so then how can I do it? How can I have this relationship 
with God, where do I begin? Where do I begin? There was a, a scientist, uh, 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 he's a doctor. His name was Dr. Jerome Barrymore, or Barryman, excuse me. He studied spiritual development in children. He became a very popular writer and a very popular teacher, a very popular um, instructor, conference leader on, on religious education among children. And, and he, would, he would teach and he would lead all these imaginative ideas of how we can allow our children to grow in their faith. He's right now, out, I think it's out in Colorado. He's the director for the Center of the Theology of Childhood. <laughs> Theology of Childhood. But he wrote a book and it was called The Godly Play. Godly Play, an imaginative approach to religious education. And during that time and during that book, he wrote of his, of his experiments and his observations on how children grow in their faith, of how children start and how they grow. And he had very, several interesting and insightful observations. He noted that really where they begin is when they're given quiet and contemplative spaces. He says, when children are given quiet and contemplative spaces, they will more often than not report a sense of God's presence with them. And he calls these moments, moments of quiet, contemplative, moments of sigh. You know, kind of that moment when you've had a big week, and it's finally over and you get home, you kick off your shoes and you go, oh. and some of you look stressed today. I think we ought to try this, okay? Can we try this? On the count of three, I want everybody just to go, oh. so right, right? One, two, three. Oh. Feel better? We need to do it about 100 more times for some of us probably, right? It's that, it's that time where we just, we just put away all the things of the world, where we put away all those noises, all those distractions. And we say, ah. Oh. I can see the two disciples being that way. They've walked into the room and they're waiting for Jesus to come in. And they go, oh. we're here. We're in the presence of this one who's the Lamb of God. We've gotten rid of the distractions. <sighs> yeah. There was another man. He was, name was Frank Laybach, or Laubach. Frank was a missionary, or not, yes, Frank. Get my names mixed up. He was a missionary in the early 1900s. A missionary to a people called the Moro people, in the Philippines, they were Muslim, very difficult. In fact, for 14 years, our government, our, our military did not allow him to even enter that area because of the difficulty. And he was working with these folks in the early 1900s. And, and this, uh, Labak is a pretty well-known missionary. In fact, he's the only missionary from the U.S. ever to be honored on a U.S. stamp. He was on a 30-cent stamp years ago. But he, he went to the people and he was frustrated because he was having no success. 
He wasn't getting, any, nothing was really happening with these folks. And finally, one day, he went up on a hill behind the place where he was living, a place where he could be alone with God, a place where he could go. And he's in there praying and thinking and contemplating. God finally spoke to him. And he said, God revealed to me that the reason he wasn't having any success is because he was being very arrogant with the folks. And so he turned his toe approach around and he started becoming more inquisitive and asking them and inquiring of them and learning from them and finding out that, that all of a sudden they were receptive to him. And he started to understand, he, and he kind of got the thought, why did it take me so long? Why haven't I heard the voice of God speaking before? And so he started to do something. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that I keep in connection with God. I'm sure I want to have those ah moments every day, all day. And so what I'm going to do is every half hour, I'm going to stop and think about God. Just think about him. Think about his goodness. Think about his mercy. Think about this creative uh, God who, who, has, who has given us this universe. Think about how personal it is. But whatever it is, like whatever, and whatever I'm working on, and he gave himself a little leeway. He said, I'm going to, give, I'm going to do it every half hour, but I'm going to give myself an hour just in case. <laughs> and he said he started off and it was so hard. It was so hard to think about God all day. Making in the, in, the, in the midst of our busyness, even being a missionary. And I can tell you, even as being a pastor, when you get busy and you're doing things and you're working on this, sometimes just to stop and think about God every half hour is something that's not natural. It can be difficult. And so he started off and he says, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> He said, I wasn't very good at it. But as he started to work on it, as he started to practice it, as he started to correct himself, he started to think about God every half hour. Those thoughts. And he said, all of a sudden, I started to have this awe moments. These awe moments. Ah. And God started speaking to him. It got such that by, he got so good at it, that one year he finally said, now, from now on, I'm going to think about God one second out of every minute. <laughs> Can you imagine that? One second out of every minute, I'm going to have a thought about God. Now, you don't start there, right? <laughs> you don't start by trying to think about God one second. I remember, we have to start somewhere. We have to start bringing God into our daily lives. We have to start bringing God into our offices, into the place where we work. First thing in the morning, think about God. Before you go to bed, think about God. As you're driving to, to work, think about God. As you're making the bed, think about God. Whatever it might be, can we think about God? Think about his goodness. Sometimes take out those scriptures and turn to a passage. Have it open. Have your Bible open. You know what I've done this week is I've been challenged by this because this, this has kind of ripped me as I've thought about being this close to God. I went to my cell phone. And uh, now, this was beyond my technical abilities, so uh, I asked Gus, our technician, for help. Um, but if, if on my cell phone, there's, I th it's called wallpaper or something like that, if I turn on my cell phone, up comes the 100th Psalm. Five verses. It's there all the time. So, you know, like you, I probably look at this thing more than I should, Right? But up, up here comes this 100 Psalm. Psalm I'm just looking, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's all I need for that moment. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. 
Thank you for your care, your watch over me and my family. For the Lord is good. Wow. God, you are a good God. You are a gracious God. You know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to take it the next step. I'm going to put a timer on my phone. <laughs> so every half hour, maybe every hour, <laughs> it'll go off. It'll go off, and it'll remind me to look at my phone and to look and see, wow, the good is God. I, I couldn't see more of it, but I got a text message saying my Walgreens prescription's ready. <laughs> That's the way it goes sometimes, okay? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. What can you do? What can you do to be reminded to be in the presence of God? It's very practical. It's very practical. Think of God every hour, every minute, even every second. But it's not natural. It's not natural. But if we can think of God, if we can bring God into our lives constantly, that's when we get close to him. That's when we get to know more about God. That's when we understand. When we come to God with our Bibles open and say, Lord, I'm not reading this just to get knowledge. I'm reading it for you to speak to me. Speak to me through this 100th Psalm. Speak to me through the 23rd Psalm. Speak to me through some other scripture that's precious to you. Develop relationship with God. Talk with him. In fact, the Bible says about that. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul reminds us. He says this, pray without ceasing. We've heard that in the King James Version. The, the NIV says pray continually. The NLT says never stop praying. The, um, the message says pray at all times. Do we pray at all times? Do we consistently pray? But it's not just our prayer life. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever, when, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, 17, he says this, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. I love that word, whatever. Whatever we're doing, are we doing it with God in mind? Are we doing it in his name, in the name of Christ? Are we doing it for God's glory? If we're doing that and being constantly in communion with God, I believe we'll get to know him better. There's an Anglican priest uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, actually. Her name's Tish Warren. She wrote what I believe was the contemporary Christian magazine or one of those uh, magazines, um, Christianity Today's Book of the Year in 2018, called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. The Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's a wonderful book where she takes every part of our day and breaks it down and says, what if during that time we made it something that reminded us of God? Some of her chapters are making the bed. How do you make making the bed something that reminds you of God? You can do that. I believe you're creative enough to do that. You know what she did? She, actually, she wasn't a bed maker. How, how many are not? No, never mind. Um, so she's, and she, really, she, she, she was questioning people. Do you make your bed at night? Or, you know, you're just going to mess it up the next day, right? Why, why you bother? You know, but she wasn't a bed maker. But she realized that every morning when she woke up, the first thing she did was grabbed her phone and looked laying in bed, still looked at her emails, would look at her, the news, would look at her Facebook. She says, I need a new way to start the day. I need a new way to recognize that God is who he is. God is wanting to have a relationship with me. And so she says, I quit that. I left my phone there, and now I get up and I make the bed. And she says, you know, as I thought about making the bed, how I'm bringing order and beauty out of chaos. 
I think of my Savior. I think of God who created the world and brought order out of chaos. I think of my Savior who came into my life and brought order out of chaos. And then I sit on my bed, and sometimes with my Bible open, sometimes in prayer, and I think about God and his awesome ability to do good. And she says, at first, it wasn't a big deal. The same thing with Laybach. He said, at first, it wasn't a big deal as I thought about God every minute every, or every, every hour. But as, as you get used to it, as it becomes a habit, we begin to understand and, 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 and begin, to, begin to have a deeper, thorough understanding of God. Her other chapters are brushing your teeth, eating leftovers, checking email. Ah! You know, when you're checking your email, there's a lot of names that pop up there. People we can pray for. Lord, Lord, thank you for working in their lives. Thank you for what you're doing. That's great. Fighting with your spouse. Ooh. Sitting in traffic. How can we make that a moment where we draw closer to God? Drinking tea, sleeping, waking. I heard somebody this week told me about, about a lady who, her husband has, a, has a, 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 a habit of not picking up his socks. You know, it was, we're not talking about my wife here. But not picking up his socks. And, and so every now and then, so some days when he's not, when those socks are laying around, she goes and picks up those socks and it reminds her to pray for her husband. Instead of complaining, instead of whining, saying, why don't you pick up your socks? <laughs> it's a reminder to pray for her husband. It draws us closer to God. The ordinary becomes sacred. There are moments of awe. And you know what? When we have enough moments of awe, in the presence of Christ, eventually it's a moment of ah, ah. We see God for who he is. When, when we've had these moments of ah, we eventually move into a moment of ah. This God is creator, this God who gave his life for me, and we're in awe of his presence. Psalm 68, 35, you, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. Psalm 111, 9, holy and awesome is his name. Isaiah 6, we know, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and it blew me away, to paraphrase Isaiah. It gives us, it gives us a change in our perspective. When we spend time with God, it gives us a change in our perspective. And how we look at things. You may have noticed I have a couple things up here with me today. This is a microscope. And I'm afraid for some of us, we have microscopic vision when it comes to our relationship with God. You know what a microscope does, don't you? It takes very little things and makes them really big. Look at everything. And we look at our lives and we look at the things in our lives that are problems. We look at the things in our lives that we don't like. We look at the things in our lives like the socks on the floor. <laughs> Little things. And we look at them through a microscope and they get so big, blown out of proportion. And they, they consume our relationship with God. God, you got to get care of this socks thing. <laughs> they take care of, and so we, I know we have some big things in life, but we, we look at them through a microscope and they get even bigger. And we approach our relationship with God that way. Instead of approaching our relationship with God, 
with a telescopic view. You know what a telescope does? It takes something that's huge but appears to us to be very small. And it puts it in right size. In fact, when we look through a telescope, we're looking at something that really seems to us to be so small. That one little star. How big can that be? But when we look through at a telescope, brings it into proper proportion. We see what is really there. That's why we have this moment of awe when we start seeing God as he really is. God is a big God, much bigger than our problems. When we have this relationship with God, when we think about him, when we, when we communicate with him, we go from ah to ah. Here's what Laybach had to say about his time of practicing with God, of focusing on God. He said, oh, this thing of keeping in constant touch with God, of making him the object of my thought and of the companion of my conversations, it is the most amazing thing I ever ran across. Most amazing thing, and this was written in the early 1900s before amazing was used in every other sentence. <laughs> he said, this is amazing. But he also says it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I practiced it. I practiced it and it became natural. And now it's something I cannot live without. And if we live in that awe moment, and this was found out in these children, if we live in that awe moment long enough, we come to that second moment, and it's a moment of aha. 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 It starts to make sense. It starts to make sense. We recognize God more fully. We discover new truths about ourselves, about the world around us. John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. An aha moment, the Holy Spirit, who Pastor Eric talked about last week, that there when the, the curtain tore, that the spirit of God was out of the building and the spirit of God was not just confined. Now the spirit of God was loose. And then we see about six weeks later, the Spirit of God comes in the power of the Holy Spirit to have a relationship with us. He's the one that's leading us in this, and he's teaching us truth. And as we get into these moments of ah, all of a sudden there are moments of aha, we begin to understand. We begin to see more fully, begin to see more clearly. When we spent the time with the Lord, when we spent the time in prayer, when we spent the time looking at Scripture, not to, not to get knowledge, but, to, but to, be, to be drawn closer to our Lord. And what they found out was once these children had these moments of awe, once these children, then it went to aha, you know where it ended up? Ha ha! <laughs> they were so excited! And that's the way it is. Once we've, once we've understood who God is, the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of what God's done for us overwhelms us in our lives. When we really have seen God and who he is and who he really is, the, the, the magnificence of him, we are filled with joy. John 17, 13, Jesus prayed that his disciples would have all of his joy in them. 
Luke 20, 21, Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit ministers to us, he fills us with, our, with joy. Philippians, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. We're talking about every moment of every day, living with him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he had to repeat it. He said, again, I say, rejoice. James said, even, consider it joy when you face trials. Consider it joy when you happen to be looking at these because you've looked here. Consider it joy when we understand who God is and what he's done for our lives. So this week, this week, I, I hope you've gotten some ideas. I hope you've gotten some thoughts of how you might draw closer to God. Because if you're like me, and i got to confess to you, there, there are days I get so busy and our world is so messed up and we're so busy and we're running here and there to take time and reflect on God. To make sure we start the day reflecting on God. To make sure we make times in our middle of our day where we can remember God, where we can reflect on his goodness, his graciousness to us. Whatever you got to do, maybe you got to do what I need to do. Put it on your phone and get a timer. Start a new habit. What can it be? What can it be that we can do to draw closer to God? What, what's, what can you find in cooking leftovers that reminds you of God? I haven't read far. I've only read the first three chapters of that book so far, so I haven't got to the leftover chapter. <laughs> but I can imagine, as I think of leftovers, I start to think about Jesus feeding 5,000 and the leftovers. You know? Kind of cool. Lord, you're not limited. You can do anything. You have a total supply. Thank you for that. What can you do? What, what holy moment can you make out of your everyday to draw closer to Christ? What can you do to stop the world forcing itself on us, but instead bringing God, bringing Christ, bringing the Holy Spirit into, into our world? into this world. It was either Socrates or Plato, I don't know which one it was, said something about the, the unexamined life is not worth living. Maybe after you've tried this, you could, you could do what Sky Jatani in his book With calls, well, it's, it's basically examina, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of examining us at the end of the day. How did our day go with the Lord? And, and it's, it's in a negative and a positive. It's a, it's a desolation and a consolation. The desolation is, is when I felt furthest from God. And consolation was God was closest to me. And so here's some questions maybe you can ask at the end of your day. Well, when today did I sense being drawn away from God? When today did I feel most dissatisfied and restricted? Was there any time today I felt discouraged? What was the most draining part of my day? Was there a time today when I felt guilty, ashamed, or lonely? If we can identify those times, those times that have drawn us away, those times where the presence of God seemed far away, where the times where it was like a star way out there, that, that informs us that leads us, that guides us into thinking about the Lord. But on the other side is the consolation. The consolation. When today did I feel most touched by the presence of God? When today did I feel most touched by the presence of God? What events, what relationships, or what thoughts of the day brought me closer to God? 
When did I feel most free today? What was the most life-giving part of my day? And what was the most joyful part of my day? When you find those things, hang on to them. When you find those things, oh, don't let them go. When you find those things, make them habits. Write them down. Remind yourself. If I don't write it down, if I don't set a timer, I'll probably forget by tomorrow. Maybe you're that way too. Laba had this final that I think statement that I think sums it up well. He says, we shall not become like Christ until we give him more time. We shall not become like Christ until we give him more time. So the question I'm asking you this morning to close is the question that Jesus asked the disciples, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want to be more like Christ? Do you want to know him better? Do you want a personal relationship? What are you willing to invest? What are you willing to put towards that relationship? It's not just going to happen. And then the words of Jesus, if you really want it, come and see. Come and see. Come and see. Let's stand together. You know what? If you, if you try some of these things this week, and something happens, I'd love to hear your stories. Drop me an email, give me a phone call, text me, whatever. Let me know that, uh, wow, God spoke to me this week. But I really challenge you, join me. Join me in, in drawing closer to God. Join me in changing some habits, making new habits that are designed to reveal the Lord to make him fresh, new, present in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that you do say come. Come and see. Come and rest. Come and open that door and let's get to know each other. Thank you, Lord, that we believe that you are real and that you desire a relationship with us. And Lord, sometimes we've just been running. Help us to run to you. Help us to reach out this week, to open ourselves, to be vulnerable, to know that you are God. And Lord, fill us. Lord, Give us those ha-ha moments where we just, in the joy of knowing you, we are overwhelmed. And we'll be forever grateful. Go with us now. Lead us into your presence as we leave these doors. Lead us into your presence this week. And all that we say, whatever we do, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go serve the Lord. Draw close to him this week. You're dismissed.